the name of the message is discerning uh, of doctrines. Discerning of doctrines. And we'll just pray real quick. Thank you, Father, that uh, you've drawn near to us, that you're with us, that you've even made a home inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us to discern things ourselves or to figure them out ourselves, but you've come and discerned all things in Jesus. That you've come and stood face to face with us and discerned our lives, discerned yourself, and discerned all doctrines and all beliefs and all wisdoms, and whether they be from above or from below, in the man Jesus. We just thank you, Father, that we could find our all of our thoughts and all of the things that we're confronted with in this world, that we can find them being taken captive by the Word made flesh that's Jesus. And we can find our hearts being kept from any erroneous doctrines or beliefs that... Uh, swim around in this world and that come knocking on our door. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we're in your hand and that nothing can take us from your hand. Thank you that uh, you uphold our lives daily. Amen. Glory to God. You know, we don't need to be afraid if we fall prey to a, a false belief or an erroneous doctrine. We don't need to be afraid of it. Because we know that we're kept by God and the Holy Spirit. What that means is, even should something get a little crooked in our thinking, we know God is like the greatest detour uh, man in the world. You know those detour signs that the road is closed and it's broken, and so they got to get you around to go where you're going? Even should we, we, we find ourselves tricked by some belief in the world or some doctrine, I mean, we, we don't need to be afraid of it because we know God's with us, He's even in us, and that He can detour us back to you know, Jesus, right? And make straight whatever gotten crooked in our theology. So this, this message isn't about um, how we're going to try to work a thing, but it is about just helping us to have eyes to see, right? And, and just see what discernment looks like. So we can, we can have that um, working inside of us as we walk in this world. And the reason, the reason this came up was because of the beautiful message my mom preached last week. And what a beautiful message my my mom preached and if you haven't heard it yet um go and give it a listen you'll be touched in a, in a number of different ways you'll be touched in your heart you'll be edified um you could be challenged in, in some of your thinking and ultimately um you'll feel enriched by what she had to say there were so many things that she said during the message that that blessed me but one of the things that stood out to me that i want to highlight and make sure that it doesn't just like come and go you know because sometimes we can hear things and, and we hear them and then they're gone right like if we stand outside and take a poll what did you get out of the message today uh i don't know <laughs> right and there's no shame in that because the holy spirit is in you and he's like catching 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 and then we'll bring back up to your remembrance but she said some something that really stood out to me that I want it to take some time to just, you know, like I, how I like to do it, to hammer it and, and focus on it and bring it out in the open and make sure that we have another week of looking at it.
But the, the thing that, that stood out to me the most was the, the question that she posed after she talked about being tossed here and there by different doctrines, right? Chasing here, chasing there. One of the questions she said is it, it, she wondered, Lord, why didn't I see those doctrines weren't from you? Why didn't I see it? Like, what was going on there? Why was she deceived by them to begin with? She posed that question. What is it that left her blinded to what those doctrines were really about? Right? And she said during the message, but she said so many wonderful things, I want to make sure that didn't whoop, get, get past us. So we're going to look at what it is that can leave us tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Like, how does that even happen? Right? Like, what leaves us in the place where we could be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? And what will act as a discerner for us to keep us from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine? Right? What's going to act as a discerner for us so we could have eyes to clearly see it the next time? Right? Where we're not blinded to it. Like, it stands out like a sore thumb. Like, when you got a sore thumb, you know you got a sore thumb. Right? You try to grab the door and you're like, ah! Right? And so we're going to get into both of that, both of those things. Those things have mightily enriched my life. And I didn't know that that was going on in me while it was going on in me, right? Like I, I found that, I was dis, that, that God was discerning doctrines inside of me. And I found there was a specific thing he was using to discern them inside of me. And I didn't even know he was doing it till after the fact. And now I look back and see how he was doing it and what he was using to do it. Right? And we're just going to bring that out in the open so that we can look at it. And, and just so everybody understands, a doctrine is not only something that pertains to God. It's not only something that pertains to God. It, it pertains to God. But when you're talking about a doctrine and being kept from erroneous doctrines, we're also talking about different beliefs in the world. It could be beliefs about anything. right? And so it's not necessarily a theological thing. It, it, it can be, and it is often, but it could be what we believe about anything. It could be believe what we believe about our life in the world. What do we believe about the country? What do we believe about the world? What do we believe about this? What do we believe about that? It could be anything when we're talking about doctrines, okay? So we, there's something that will discern every belief that could exist in the world for us to where we can know if it's from God or if it isn't from God. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and we'll just pick it up in verse 11 because it's going to highlight the verses so anybody that wants to know where they're at can see where they're at. Paul says that uh, Jesus descended down into the grave and then he ascended out of the grave and ascended to the right hand of God. And when he got to the right hand of God, he gave gifts unto humans, right? And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice how it doesn't say, for the lording over of the people. <laughs> Notice how it doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't say, for the lording over of the people. It doesn't say, and so the people will submit unto the man of God, or the woman of God doesn't say that doesn't say that right it's okay I, i'm sorry um 
till we all come. He gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children or immature, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Okay? So, what he's saying is, God doesn't want us to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine anymore. Notice he uses the word cunning and crafty, which means it's deceptive. It can be deceiving to us. He doesn't want our lives to be tossed to and fro like that any longer. So what he did was he gave gifts to mankind. Some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some, some evangelists, some teachers, so that they could preach the faith and so that the people could hear or know the promise of immortality that has come in the person of Jesus, right? So it isn't, don't get confused, because I know we have, all these, these, we have all these perversions of apostles, pastors, prophets, and all that, where they like lord it over people. It's not the apostles and pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers that will keep you from being tossed to and fro. There's a subtle nuance there, but it's not them that will keep you from being tossed to and fro. It's the faith that will keep you from being tossed to and fro. It's the knowledge that the promise of immortality has come to us in the person of Jesus that keeps people from being tossed to and fro. And those gifts only exist to declare the faith. They only exist to declare the knowledge of the Son of God. They only exist to declare that the promise of immortality that our hearts have always been longing for, has been brought to light in the person of Jesus. There only exists to declare that the substance of everything we've ever longed for in our life, the nutrients that can fill us with the satisfaction that we want, that we've always been after, that those things are contained in the faith and in the promise of immortality that's come to us in Jesus. They're only there to declare that. And that is what will keep you from being tossed to and fro. And it will actually create you in the image of Christ Jesus. And in this example, what I want to say is it will create within you the same persuasion that was in the heart of Jesus. I don't know if you guys realize it, Jesus wasn't tossed to and fro. <laughs> right? And so that's what it's talking, the fullness of the stature of Christ. Right? These gifts were given to preach the faith. So that that faith could create inside of you the same persuasion that was in Jesus. And that you would no longer be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, right? By the cunning craftiness and the slight of men. Because I don't know if you guys realize it, it can be very deceiving when we sit with the desire to have life for us to hear different thoughts about where we can find that life. That's cunning craftiness in the slight of men. Men coming and speaking about where you can find satisfaction for the desire you have for life, right? And what they come talking about is not Jesus, right? And like we just got into before the message, talking about Jesus does not just mean to stand up in front of people and open the Bible and read some verses. Many people, some of the most deceptive doctrines and beliefs we've encountered or been confronted with have come at the hands of people opening up their Bible and claiming to be here in the name of Jesus. 
And then the things they declare out of their mouth is how you can use your own ability and you can perform certain works to satisfy yourself with the desire you have for life. And they, it's crafty because they mix it in with God, right? They're like, no, God will give it to you. Well, it, it, no, no, no. If I got to do something to get it from God, then that's not him giving it to me. Then that's me gaining it from myself. And that's the cunning craftiness of men. Right? We'll just talk about the tithe real quick. If i got to give money to the church in order for God to take care of my life, then God's not taking care of my life. I'm taking care of my life. You see? And we've thrown God into the picture to make it sound spiritual. And that's why it's crafty. Listen, guys. For one, once and for all, Paul said God gave us all things freely in Jesus. That means God has come to take care of your life before you gave him anything. So he's not going to continue to take care of your life based on whether you give to him or not, or whether you give to the church or not, right? That's not why he takes care of your life. That's cunning craftiness of men, where you're talking about what we're going to do to manipulate God to take care of us, okay? What will happen when you see that God has taken care of your life, free from your works, when you see that it's his good pleasure to care for you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, when you see the God of all glory has taken thought of you, you, little old Greg, God's mind is filled with me. Little old us. Man, when you get a revelation of that, you'll find something born in you called generosity. You'll find, I have all things. And out of already having everything, you'll find, a, well, then I can give. And you'll feel to give. You won't be giving out of a heart of, if I can give, then God will take care of me. No, you'll be giving out of the heart that my life is already cared for by God. Oh, hallelujah. And so you won't find the stinginess come upon you. You'll find like a freedom. Yeah, well, man, whatever I have, I have from God. And God has no lack, so I have no lack. Oh, so hallelujah. And then you can just follow your heart, right? So if you feel a desire to give, then you give. Because you know God is not uh, running out. <laughs> Right? He's not like a, a reserve that's running out. He's not like an energy source that we got to switch from because we say the old energy source is running out. He, he is all things. There is no lack in him. Glory to God. So it's, it's the faith that came in Jesus, Paul says. He says it's the knowledge or the knowing of the promise of immortality that has come to us in Jesus that keeps us from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That's what does it. Now we're going to get into why. Why does that do that? How does it work? How does it sort itself out inside of us? Like I said, and I say this a lot of times, God did all this in me before I knew what he did. So you don't have to understand everything intellectually for this to work for you. I'm declaring it in in the spirit now i'm declaring it now because the spirit is life and i'm declaring it because i feel like the holy spirit is moving in the earth and he's delivering his people from being tossed to and fro so when i speak this message just know god's already in you working to bring this forth and i'm just speaking about what he's already doing so don't take on some heavy burden about how you're going to work it and how you got to make it work right all of the time okay just sit and listen and talk with god about what you hear hallelujah but if we look at the letter of James in chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, 
and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Real quick, when you look at that in the Greek, it's not, it's not really being said in the sense of ask God, like you don't have it, and now you're going to plead with God to give it to you. It's more in the, the ask is more in the sense of look to God for wisdom, knowing that God is a giver. If you need wisdom, look to God for the wisdom that you need, knowing that God is a giver. That's really what it's saying there. And it's difficult for us because this is like Jewish language that they use here. But to put it in Gentile terms and in terms of other verses in the Bible, so you can understand what it means when it says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abrade it not, and it shall be given him. James is essentially saying the same things that Paul said when Paul said, God has given us all things freely in Christ. That's the same thing James is talking about. So James is like, listen, man, if anybody lacks wisdom or lacks anything, let them look to God who has given us all things freely in Christ Jesus right? Let us look there when we find ourselves feeling lack and we find ourselves needing something. Let us look to God who has given us everything we need, everything that pertains to life and God likeness through his son, Jesus, right? Let us be aware that God is a giver and he hath already given us everything we need and everything we need is contained in Jesus. Just as Paul would go on to say that Christ has become unto us, what? Wisdom and righteousness, wisdom and righteousness. If you keep reading in the first chapter of James, James goes on to remind them of God's own will or his own desire. He begat us through the word of truth, which is Jesus. So James is trying to point them to God and what God has done in Jesus. That's what he's trying to say to them. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You see the word tossed again. These people James is writing his letter to were being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. There's a reason why they were being tossed to and fro. Okay? So we want to we pick up on that. Right? So let him ask God, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now let him ask in faith is not like, let him ask believing real hard that God will do it. That's not what it means, let him ask in faith. It doesn't mean let him ask thinking that God will really do it. That's not what it means. That word faith there is a noun, not a verb. It's a noun, not a verb. And one of its meanings is the gospel truth itself. The gospel truth itself. So if any man lacks, let him look to God, who hath given us all things already that pertain to life and God-likeness in the person of Jesus. And let him ask according to the doctrine that was revealed in Christ, not wavering from what God has done in Christ or what God has revealed in Christ. Because let not a man think that he comes and looks to find what God has given in Christ and something other than God and what he's done in Christ. Let not that man think that he'll find the satisfaction he's looking for. Right? You follow that? Let him ask in faith. Let him look to God, knowing God has given him everything he already needs in Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Because these guys were looking to something other than what God had done in Jesus to find satisfaction. And so he's coming and telling them, listen, guys, 
You sit with the desire. These guys in the letter to James were encountering tribulation. They were in the midst of hard times. You ever notice how when you're encountering tribulation, you have hard times? You desire for those hard times to go away. <laughs> he was seriously. I mean, listen, I said last night, last night I couldn't sleep. It's been like three weeks. I promise you, I sat with the desire to sleep. Like a strong desire. Like normally I'm good. You can ask my wife. Normally I don't care if I sleep or not. I'm good. But last night, man, it was like wearing on my soul. And so it was like tribulation. I mean, three weeks now. And I'm like, and my shoulder's not bad. So I, I got no, there was no end in sight to me being able to sleep. And so I was in the midst of tribulation. And I got like a strong desire to sleep. A strong desire to have peace and rest. And what I found was all of a sudden my mind started thinking of all the different ways I could find sleep. And my mind started thinking about all the different ways I could find out what's wrong with me. And my mind started thinking about all the different things I could put to work in order to try to help myself sleep. And all of a sudden I realized I'd become double-minded. All of a sudden I realized that I was looking to something other than God for what I needed. And all of a sudden I found myself stopped full, full punk. And all of a sudden, what I was doing made no sense to my carnal mind. It said, you need to sleep. Because all of a sudden, I didn't care about all the things that I thought could help me sleep. But my mind became filled with God. I started looking to God. And I started asking God for everything that I thought I could get from sleep. I started asking Him for those things and what He'd done in Jesus. And I did go to sleep. <laughs> And I did go to sleep. But what I realized, and listen, it's not that I didn't want to ever sleep again. I, I want to sleep. So don't listen to what I'm saying with the carnal mind. What I realized is that what God's done in Jesus possesses the ability to serve me with what I'm not getting from the sleep. He, his arm is not so weak that he can't get to me what I would be getting from the sleep. If I should find the weakness of this mortal body putting me in a place where I don't sleep and I need sleep and I desire sleep and I need what comes from all those things. I realized that God done something in Jesus that could even overcome me not sleeping and give me the nutrients that I could get from sleeping. And so I, I asked God, and what was so weird is I wasn't asking God for sleep. I was looking to God for the nutrients that I thought I could get from sleep. And I was talking with God about how what he's done in Jesus even possesses everything I need that I could get from sleep. And that even should I find the weakness of my flesh leaving me in the place where I can't sleep, what he's done in Jesus contains everything that I need. And I started looking to him, not wavering from the gospel of Jesus Christ, not wavering thinking that I could get what I needed from something in the world. But I began seeing, no, 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 even should I can't get this sleep, God can give me what I need. Hallelujah. And I found immediately, peace came to my soul from the not sleeping. And you know what shortly, what short, short, well, yes, I did fall asleep shortly thereafter. So hallelujah. But it was like four hours. That's like the first four hours in like three weeks. But that dynamic I just described is what James is talking about. These guys were in the middle of hard times. And they needed peace. They desired life and they needed peace. They weren't looking to what God done in Jesus for the peace that they needed. They weren't looking to God or asking God in faith 
They weren't thinking what we need. God has actually already done through the man Jesus. Let us look to God and what he's done in Jesus for the peace that we need. No, 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 they weren't doing that. They were looking to the strength contained in their own hand to try to gather to themselves the peace that they wanted. Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Right? They sat with the desire for life. But the desire they had for life, the desire they had for peace, it was not mixed with the faith that was revealed in Jesus. And because it wasn't mixed with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, that allowed lust to be born in their hearts. Lust for what? Lusting for life. Lusting for peace. The lust, the desire they had for peace, it wasn't mixed with the faith that was revealed in Jesus. And that's the only thing that had the peace that they wanted. And so they never found satisfaction for their souls. And so what happened is they started lusting after peace through their own strength. They started seeking to fix all their circumstances and perfect their lives with their own works, thinking that if they could get all that fixed right, that would give them the peace that they needed. They became double-minded. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah. What James is saying there? Listen, something we want to understand about when we read James, guys. I, I know it seems obvious, but we forget it. James was Jewish. <laughs> Do you know what that means? There's a culture there that isn't the same as the American culture. They didn't use the same language as the American culture. They didn't use the same words or idioms or slang. And so James is talking like a Jewish guy. And so we want to understand that, man, we want to read it from that perspective and know what he's trying to say. It's like also with the, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews. Those guys in the letter to the Hebrews, they desired to be sanctified from sin and death. Like that's what they wanted more than anything. Like they want it to be cleansed from sin and death. Do you know that's really what all of us want? Do you know the problem we have in our lives is when we think there's some death that's popping up and we think that death can take from us. We think that death can keep something from us. We think it can corrupt our lives. And what happens is, is we don't want that. And so we want to be cleansed from the death. And so the Hebrews, those guys wanted to be cleansed from sin and death. The, the, the biblical language is to be sanctified, perfected from sin and death. But they didn't mix their desire with the knowledge that within Jesus was the substance of everything they longed for already. Within Jesus, God had already done something to perfect them once for all time. God had already cleansed them from sin and death. And they didn't mix their desire with what God had done in Jesus, the once for all time sacrifice for sin. And because they didn't mix it with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, they found themselves confused in their doctrines. And they're still offering lambs. Even when John said, behold the Lamb of God who took so, takes away the death that's reigning over the world. We're oftentimes so busy trying to remove the death that we think is reigning over our lives. But behold the Lamb who's already taken the death away. And the satisfaction or the peace you long for that you think you can get if you'll remove the death out of the way. It only comes by you seeing the Lamb that God already removed the death from. Hallelujah. And if you don't mix your desire to see that death sent away from you with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, you're going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And you're going to implement beliefs. And you're going to implement logics and wisdoms to try to remove the death yourself. All the time. Wanting a pure thing. It's not that you want something evil. 
You want to feel fulfilled. You want to feel satisfied. You want to feel peace. But you'll never find that in you enlisting your own members to try to deal with it yourself. You'll be ever learning, never coming to intimacy with the word of truth. Which, that's the only thing that can bring forth the fruit that you want. Intimacy with the word of truth. You'll, you'll be all the time learning about all these different things. You'll be all the time meditating all these different logics and wisdoms that you can fornicate with to try to bring forth the fruit that you want for your life. But your fornication with the flesh can't give you the satisfaction you long for. It can't satisfy the longing in your heart. It's only through intimacy with God and the word of truth that he used to begat us again to an incorruptible life. It's only through intimacy with that will the fruit that we desire come forth in us. Your maker is your husband. When you're busy desiring death to be removed and life to be born, you're desiring a child. You're wanting fruit to be born in you. Well, your maker is your husband. He's the only one that can produce the fruit you long to see in your life. And so James is saying, you guys are being intimate with your own strength because you're not mixing your desire for peace with the word of truth that hath begat us again. Your intimacy is not with what God has done in Jesus. It's not with the faith that's come to us in Jesus. Your intimacy is with your own flesh. And you're producing a bunch of Ishmaels, which can never produce the promise of the Spirit in you. It can never produce the promise of the fruit of the Spirit in you. I think that's what James felt when he was trying to tell these guys. 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 They weren't looking to God who hath given everything that we need in Jesus. They were looking somewhere else. They weren't looking to the word of truth. That's why it says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What word? The word of Christ. How do you do the word of Christ? I promise you, you can't perform Christ. The way you do the word of Christos is you sit at the feet of it and hear it and realize the nutrients you need to experience peace are found there. That's why he says you're not doers of the word. You're not having intimacy with what the work God done in Jesus. You're having intimacy with your own works. And that has made the work that God's done in Jesus powerless to give you the peace you want. That faith without works is dead. The faith of God can give you the peace that you want. If you don't have intimacy with that faith, if you don't sit at the feet of Jesus, then that faith can't produce in you the life you want. Martha wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus. Did she have rest? That faith without works is dead. Jesus is the faith. Martha didn't do the work of sitting at the feet of Jesus. She didn't find rest. Mary did the one thing that was needful, Jesus said. That's the one work. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She said, everything I need, everything I long for in my life, even if I don't understand how it works out, everything is found in Jesus. I'm going to sit right here. You know, it's a wonderful thing what will happen to you. The Mary thing will happen inside of you. The moment you become persuaded that everything you need is found in Jesus. You'll find the Mary thing happening in you where you're sitting at the feet of Jesus.
Maybe I should sleep, not sleep more. <laughs> uh, sometimes you can even fornicate with your own desire about how to preach a message. Right? It's not that the message isn't true, but you, you have so many of your own thoughts about how you want it to go and how it should go that you're just, you know, you do it yourself. A double-minded man, James says, is unstable in all their ways. Double-minded means a carnally-minded person, right? Meaning that the mind of Christ has entered the earth through the Holy Spirit and through the faith of Jesus and through Jesus himself. But you're double-minded, meaning you're, you're going away with the carnal mind, and that will make you unstable in all your ways. It means everything you're looking to for life will never give you the stability that you want. <laughs> You'll actually feel like you're standing on a moving ground. Have you guys ever seen the ground that moves on the internet yet? I showed Becky the other night, and I don't even know what was going on. But it's like they have this platform that isn't grounded, and it's on top of water. You know, like the way you would get on a waterbed sometimes, and it's like, they have this platform covering this body of water, and there's not posts drilled into the ground. And so it moves with the water, and yet you still walk on top of it, not sinking. It's the strangest thing, but you're not really stable, right? You're like, woo, all over the place. And so James is telling those guys, you're double-minded. You've been led astray by the carnal mind. And that's left you unstable in all your ways. You're being tossed to this thing, into that thing from this thing and to that thing. You're all the time being tossed to and fro to this and that, to this and the other, never finding the satisfaction or the peace that you're longing for because none of the things you're looking to for the peace you want has peace to give. <laughs> and so you're over there for a little while and when you don't get peace, you're like, okay, well, so I'm over here. And I'm over here for a while. I still don't get the peace. All right, now I'm over here, right? All right, I still don't have the peace and so now I'm over to that. That's like, the exam that's like the perfect explanation of my Christian life and all the different things I moved through, looking for peace and longing for peace and never finding it and realizing something's wrong. And then God found me and introduced me to Christ. And he brought forth prayers in my heart. And you know what the prayer was? That I might know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, that the persuasion in my heart would be made conformable to the faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was nailed to the tree. Because Jesus desired life when he was nailed to the tree. Death had come upon him, and I see that there was something in his heart that produced a life in him that overcomes death. And so I said, what that guy had in his heart when he was nailed to the tree, that's the only thing that can produce the life that I desire. Because I desire a life that isn't at the mercy of the death and the corruption, the decay that's going on in the world. I desire a life that should those things happen and come knocking on my door, that I like float up whoop, and walk on top. Whoop. That's what I desire. And I see that I don't have to bring about the desire. I see God will bring it about. And I see he has already done something to bring it about. He's begat me through the word of truth to an incorruptible life. And now he's just trying to introduce me to the life he has in himself that he has poured out into me. So I can begin living from the life that I actually have. A life that has no lack. There's no lack in the life that I have. <laughs> the life that I have is so much that even should death come upon it, it will stand up and shake off death. 
man. That's the buzz. That's the buzz. If a person's life isn't built upon the rock that is the indestructible life of Christ, their life is not built on the rock that is Christ's indestructible life. They will be double-minded. You don't try to be double-minded. If your life isn't built upon the word of the indestructible life that manifested in Jesus, that rescued you from your life being hid in the world and took your life out of the world and hid it with God in Jesus, if your life and your thoughts about your life is not built upon that rock, the result will be that you'll be double-minded. You can't keep it from happening. The result will be that you will be double-minded. And what that means to be double-minded is you'll be led astray by the carnal mind always telling you that you lack and always telling you how you could satisfy the lack you feel. That's the carnal mind's one-two punch. It comes and uncovers your nakedness. One thing you lack. One thing you don't have that you need. And you're like, yes, it's true. My goodness, what am I going to do? And then it says, well, this is how you can get it. Oh, yeah. Listen, man, I'm speaking from experience. It always looks good for food. <laughs> the way that it tells you that you can get it. It always looks good for food because you want it so bad. And if your desire for it isn't satisfied in Jesus, that desire will turn into a lust. Do you know what a lust means? An overwhelming urge that you can't do nothing about. You want life so bad that you can't sit in a place where you don't have it. And so you do something to satisfy it. Are you going to mix your desire with the faith that came in Jesus? Or are you going to mix it with your own strength or the world or the wisdom of the world or the things you can gather from the world or the things you can do to perfect your life in the world? Right? That doesn't mean things can't change for your life in the world. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. As we pointed out, after I connected with God, and my mind went to rest from all the things I could do, I did fall asleep. Wow. <laughs> I did fall asleep. And so this isn't about, oh, you can't get it, and you'll just be condemned there. Neither is it about, we won't ever do anything. But what heart are we doing it from? One of satisfaction and fulfillment already occurring, where I, I have the lack I feel satisfied first in God, and now my mind is sound. And now I see how to walk in this world. I'm filled with the wisdom that's from above as I navigate the world instead of the wisdom that's devilish, as James would say, or born from the world. Right? That's what makes people unstable in all their ways. The carnal mind. Telling them that they lack what they need for life and God-likeness. Telling them they lack what they need for peace and then pointing them to something other than Jesus to find it. Just do this. Just get that. Just fix this. Then you can have what you need. And now you can recognize it because you're gripped by fear. The fear that you don't have. And everything you do is born from trying to deliver yourself from fear. Instead of seeing that God has done something to deliver you from fear, what has he done? And if you don't know how what he's done delivers you from fear, that's where you start with God. And tell God, I know you've done something to deliver me from fear, but here I am with the fear and I desire for the fear to be gone. I don't know how it works, but man, I know you've done it. I, show me, lead me there. It says he leads us into the paths of righteousness. 
That means he leads us into the path of his righteousness towards us. He leads us in the path where we see his goodness towards us and the good work he's done for us to deliver us from this world and the fear that's in this world. He shows us it. Glory to God, man. If any person lacks wisdom, let them look to God. You know, we read that outside of the context in the letter. We, we think that he just says that out of the blue for no reason. Like, well, if any of you lack wisdom about what bank to bank with, let him ask God. If any of you lack wisdom about what car to buy, let him ask God. If any of you lack wisdom about how many kids to have, let him ask God. I'm not saying you can't talk to God about everything. And I'm not saying through the course of talking with God, you can't find wisdom dwelling in you. But when James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him look to God, he says that for a very specific reason. And the reason is those guys are desiring life and they're lacking the wisdom about where life is found. And so if any of you guys need wisdom about whether light, where life is actually found because you sit with the desire to have life, if any of you need wisdom about where life is found and where you can find your desire for life satisfied, let them look to God and the word of his truth who hath given us all things that pertain to life and God likeness in his son, Jesus who hath delivered us from the death that you're consumed with right now in Jesus, and he will deliver, and he shall deliver, and he is delivering. <laughs> I feel so happy with that. I, you guys know I'm a nerd for the word. So one of the things I feel so happy about is this, this James letter. You don't understand, in 96 I first saw grace and this James letter was like a thorn in my side because it didn't look like it fit with Christ and Paul. And I'm telling you, man, I look back to 2013 when I first started talking about this and I see what God has brought forth out of me through this letter and I'm amazed. And I'm amazed at the, the revelation of Jesus Christ in James's letter. Cleanse ye your hands, ye sinners! What is he saying? He's not saying stop doing the bad thing that you're doing. What he's saying is stop fornicating with your own strength to try to produce the fruit of peace. <laughs> if you want to know where peace is found, look to God who has given you the peace you long for in the man, Christ Jesus. <laughs> oh. James goes on to say, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. So listen, guys. Here it is. I'm going to try and say this slow. We are tempted with strange doctrines. We are tempted to take on beliefs that are not consistent with Christ when we are drawn away of our own lust for life. We're tempted to adopt beliefs and doctrines that aren't consistent with Christ when we sit with the desire for life or the fruit of the Spirit or peace, and we don't mix that desire with faith. And then lust comes alive inside of us where we're lusting after life. We're looking everywhere we can. We're like a blind person in a room looking for the light switch. 
right? You smash into walls and stuff, right? You kick things. You smash your knee into the corner of the bed. You end up with big bruises and stuff. And if you're like me, man, sometimes you run into chairs in the dark church and fall over the chair onto the ground. That's what tempts us to go after strange doctrines or beliefs inconsistent with Christ. We sit with the strong desire for life. We're made for life and not death. So you can't get rid of the strong desire you have for life. You can't actually get rid of the strong desire you have for perfection. But what you want to do is to mix those desires with the faith that was made, made flesh in Jesus. The faith that came in Jesus. Because then you'll see, God hath perfected me through the blood of the Lamb. You'll see, perfection is found in union with God. Perfection is found in God giving me His life. He begat me again to where my life isn't born from this dust. It's not born from this earth, but my life has actually been born from above. And you start to look to the life that you share with the Father because you realize it's in that life is the peace you long for. Right? That's how it will go down. That's what leaves us tempted with strange doctrines. You're, you can't get it right not to want life. You can't get it right not to seek life. You can't. You're going to be doing both of those things. The question is, are you looking to the thing that has life, which is the Christ? God has anointed him with the life he has in himself to anoint us with that life. If you're looking to Jesus for that life, you'll find your desire satisfied. And the strange doctrines, the, the beliefs that are inconsistent with Christ, they won't make sense to you. Because you'll immediately see, they can't actually give me the life that I want. I know they look good for food. I know they look practical. I know they look like that, that if, if those things could be applied, they would sort out my circumstances. And if my circumstances could be sorted out, that will remove the fear. That will give me the peace that I long for. I know that they look good for food, but I actually realize the only thing that has life in itself to give is Jesus. And so you seek the life you want in Jesus. And immediately you start to understand all the other things like the Apostle Paul said. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as pertaining to the works of the law, blameless. And I counted all those things as dung, worthless to be able to serve me with life because I saw that the excellency of the life that I longed for was contained in the knowing of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Right? So it becomes easy to see. Well, I mean, I have a desire for, for a certain kind of a government. But even should I get the certain kind of government that I want, can it raise me out of the grave? Okay. Then what I'm needing when I feel fear is to have death conquered. <laughs> And so unless the government can conquer death, then neither can it remove the fear that I feel. It doesn't mean it's bad to have an opinion about the government. But just recognize the doctrines that come and tell you that the power unto godliness is found in having the proper government or having the proper laws. That wisdom cometh not from above. That wisdom comes from below. It's devilish. It's carnal. The idea that the power for the gospel to go forth is found in having a certain kind of government or having a certain kind of laws. That wisdom is not from above. It's from below. The government is not the power behind the gospel going forth. Neither is the proper laws the power unto you having the peace that you long for. It's not. So if you feel fear, 
about what's happening in the government. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. But you know what you do with that fear? You mix your desire for the fear to be removed with the faith that came in Jesus. You fellowship with Jesus in that place instead of fellowshipping with what you're going to do to perfect the government so you can have the peace you want. You see? I really started picking up on this through this, this last several years of political unrest, which for me started way back before that I knew it. Because my, the company I worked for before I came here was shut down specifically because of who was elected president. <laughs> and so I was thrust into political turmoil in my life way long time ago. And I saw God sorting it out to keep me from being tossed to and fro, right? It's okay to have an opinion about the government, but don't let your fears about what's happening cause you to now think the power for you to be delivered from fear is through the government being perfected or through the government getting it right. And if that confuses you, ask yourself this question. Did I receive the Holy Spirit by the government? <laughs> this is only what I ask you. Received ye the Holy Spirit from Ronald Reagan? This is only what I ask you. Received ye the Holy Spirit from Barack Obama? This is only what I ask you. Does a Republican-led Congress conquer the grave? Does a Democrat-led Congress conquer the grave? Okay, then let us not mix our desire to be delivered from the fear and the corruption and the decay we see in this world. Let us not be deceived into mixing our desire for those things with the worldly system or the world's ways. Let us mix our desire to be delivered from the corruption in the world and the corruption we see in the governments of the world with the faith that was revealed in Jesus. You see? Because when you mix your desire with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, you'll find satisfaction. And you won't be caught up in the false doctrines that godliness is found in the government doing it right or in the proper laws. You won't be deceived by that. Neither will you say things like, how will the gospel go forth if we don't have America anymore? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's bad to have America. It doesn't mean it's bad to want to have America. But having America is not the power unto the life you want. <laughs> right? And when you see the power unto having the life you want is only contained in Christ, you're able to discern all these things swirling around you much easier. And just ask yourself, can it bring me out of the grave? Okay, then it can't set me free. Right? Did I, is that how I received the Holy Spirit? I love how Paul said to those guys, those guys have been caught up into strange doctrines. They thought they could be justified through the strength of the flesh. They wanted to be justified with life. And they thought the power was through their own works. And Paul comes and says, let me make this real clear for you. Received ye the Holy Spirit by performing the works of the law or through the hearing of the faith? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, if you didn't receive the Holy Spirit by performing the works of the law, then you ain't going to find any good thing from God from the works of the law. And in the same way you receive the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of the life that you want, the same way you receive the spirit that has the life in it that you want is the same way you'll find your desire for life satisfied through the hearing of the faith. Hallelujah. The birthing place for strange doctrines 
I said the birthing place for strange doctrines is the belief you come behind in some good thing that's needed to experience life and God-likeness. That's the birthing place of strange doctrines. I lack some good thing that's needed to experience life and God-likeness. And you see that very thing in the Garden of Eden. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is being tossed to and fro with a strange doctrine, right? And how did the serpent get her to adopt the strange doctrine? He come and told her she lacked what she needed to have life in God-likeness. And then you know what else he did? He said, God lacks as the one that will give it to you. So he first convinced her she didn't have what she needed to be clothed upon with the life she desired. And the moment she bought that, that lack, that caused her to adopt all these strange beliefs and doctrines about how she could get it to herself. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was nailed to the tree, what kept him from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine? Wasn't he needing life when he was nailed to the tree? Did you hear the voice of the serpent telling him he lacked? If you are the son of God, come down off the tree. Did you see the serpent pointing at the death that come upon him? Do you see the serpent telling him God wasn't with him? God lacks and you lack the life you long for. You don't have life. You need it. And God ain't going to give it to you. You see how he was trying to fill him with lack? To toss him to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Jesus sat in the place where he desired life. He desired peace. He desired to be comforted. He says, I thirst on the cross. I thirst. He also says in Matthew, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after God's righteousness to comfort them. When he said he thirsted, the world came with a sponge that was filled with an elixir that could comfort your flesh. And so they offered him the elixir from the world, the thing from the world that could comfort him, a strange doctrine. And he spit it out. He wasn't hungering after the comfort that comes from the world in its systems. He hungered and thirsted after God's righteousness to give him the peace and the life and the comfort that he longed for. And so he wasn't tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. He mixed his desire for comfort, for peace, for joy. He mixed it with the faith that's been from the beginning that created all things. You see that? Jesus was trying to be tossed to and fro. You want, you, that's how you do it. When the person needs life, that's when you come with the strange beliefs. Because they're really wanting life. The serpent was trying to produce lust in Jesus. Come down off the cross. Save yourself. Use your ability. Give yourself peace. Clothe upon yourself with life. That's what you want, isn't it? That is what he wanted. But he didn't mix it with his own ability. He didn't fornicate with his own strength to try to produce the fruit he needed. But rather, he mixed his longing for life with the God of all glory, the Father of lights, the one with whom he'd been with from the beginning. And he actually said, no, no, you don't understand. I don't desire just to come off this cross. I desire to have a body that can never die again. I desire glorified immortal flesh. And even should I come down off this cross, that won't glorify my flesh with the life that I need. The peace that I need, the comfort that I need is not found in this elixir that you gave me to numb my senses. 
The comfort that I need is found in knowing that the Father will produce a life in me that can never die again. Abba! You see? <laughs> Humans cannot come up with this stuff on their own, I'm telling you. And I say that to you to be of comfort. It means God decided he's had enough of us being tossed to and fro. He's had enough of our desire for life not being satisfied. He's had enough. He's like Popeye. I've had all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And now he's dishing out spinach. You know, except, except you know, it's the bread of life. Right? Boom, boom, boom. He's bringing forth. The spirit of the great apostle, the spirit of the great prophet, the spirit of the great evangelist, the spirit of the great teacher, the spirit of the great pastor. His name is Jesus. He's bringing Jesus forth in the earth to make Jesus the head of the body once again so that we be no more tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by every sleight of man's hand, by every cunning craftiness. Hallelujah. The church is busy thinking that we're going to shine in the earth if we can get the right government. Nothing wrong with wanting a good government. Again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm very opinionated about what I want if I'm going to be living in a country in this world. But I'm not going to confuse that with the power for the church to be a light on a hill or to be the salt of the earth. Right? If I'm in a worldly forum, yeah, and we're discussing worldly things, I might discuss those things. But if I'm thinking of eternal life and how we can have life and how we can have peace and how we can find satisfaction and how we can find the fruit of the Spirit manifesting us, I'm going to be busy with only the Christ. I'm not going to be busy with worldly systems. Right? Does that make any sense? James says, do not err, my beloved brethren. And I'm putting context to this letter because we've struggled to read it. Do not err, my beloved brethren. What would be the error that they were in? The peace you long for, the life you long to see, can only be found in what God has done of his own will to begat us through the word of truth. Don't err. Don't think that it's found in this system or that system or this government or that government or in this thing getting straight. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Oh, man. That's why he goes into every good and perfect gift has come down already from the Father of lights in heaven through Jesus. What is the good and perfect gift? Everything you want for your life. It's already come in Jesus. Do not err. It's all there. Don't go looking for pirate treasure or booty. <laughs> Professor, what's another word for pirate treasure? Well, I think it's booty. Booty. Don't go looking for booty, man. The world will give you lots of treasure maps. I even watched a show on TV where they were searching for a treasure. And it sucks you in because you think they're going to find the treasure. And now they're like 20 seasons in and they still ain't found the treasure. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? This is what we're talking about, brothers and sisters. There is a treasure. There is booty. And the world is all the time giving us treasure maps to find the booty, to find the treasure that we want. But God hath given us the treasure 
He has poured out every good and perfect gift on us through the man Jesus. Do not err. It's found in what he's given us in Christ of his own will. He begat us again from the death in the world unto an incorruptible life of his own will. He has rescued us from the death in this earth and hid our lives with him in Christ. That's where you'll find satisfaction. <sighs> Can't be tossed to and fro when you're grounded in the knowing that all the nutrients needed for life are contained in Christ and given freely in Christ. Can't be tossed to and fro. It'll come and tell you, oh, you don't have this. You need to get it. Oh, no, no, but it's in Jesus. Not tossed to and fro. Now I'm busy with the faith that was manifested in Jesus instead of the faith that's in the world. Right? Eternal life acts as an anchor for our soul. It is unto us discernment. Eternal life discerns all things. And it makes everything real clear. You see the life that you want? Can that produce this? No. Okay, then it's a strange doctrine. <laughs> right? It, it, it acts as a discerner for us, keeping our hearts from any wisdom that is earthy or born from corruption or death or lack. Possessing eternal life speaks a word in the heart. Possessing eternal life intercedes in your heart on your behalf. It says you are righteous even as Jesus is righteous. It persuades you that your cup runneth over. It tells you that now you have all things that pertain to life and God likeness. All the things you've always desired, you have now. Behold, everything you've ever desired in Jesus, as Jesus is now, so are you in this world. Okay, I have all things. That's how it acts as a discerner. It tells you that just as Jesus is now, seated at the right hand of God, sinless, free from death, without spot or blemish, having a life that overcomes death, never to be able to be touched by death again. A life that actually makes death bow down. As Jesus is now having that life, so are you in this world. That's what you have in this world from the Father of lights in heaven who has given us every good and perfect gift that we need. Right? We'll just run through a couple of these things. And then we'll finish with this. A couple more minutes. The, I, I, I fell prey to some of these teachings. The idea that I needed to give 10% to God or the first fruits, right? And then keep tithing. And then, you know, put on an offering after that. The idea that I needed to do that to be blessed by God, the idea that I needed to perform the works of the law, it only makes sense if I think I lack something that's needed for life and God-likeness. It only makes sense if I think God hasn't already given me everything freely. It only makes sense if I think money can give me the peace that I want. And so I first am persuaded the peace that I want isn't found in money. Doesn't mean it's evil to have money, but the money can't give you peace. So the peace that I the peace that I want isn't found in having money, and God has already given me everything freely apart from anything that I'll give to him or to the church. And if I had known that, the idea that I had to give God 10% in order for him to care for my life wouldn't have made any sense. Eternal life would have said, but you already have all things. What are you going to gain? I mean, God has given you all of himself. What don't you have? I'd have been like, yeah, that don't make no sense. So I'm filled with the fullness of the Godhead? 
but I'm going to gain peace by giving money? So God has come and cared for my life exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think and that he's hid my life inside of the glorified man Jesus who's sinless, never to be touched by death again. He's come and cared for my life like that and I got to give 10% for him to care for my life? That don't fit. Don't make no sense. You see? Why, why, why did we think we had to perform the works of the law? Because we thought we had to be cleansed from sin. We wanted to be cleansed from sin. We wanted the fruit of the Spirit. And so we easily were led astray by our desire to be cleansed from sin and our desire to have the fruit of the Spirit. We were easily led astray by a doctrine that said you can get those things by performing the works of the law. But I see the perfect gift in God that He hath cleansed me once for all time through the blood of Jesus. It says once for all time. It says those of you who desire to be cleansed from sin and from death. Behold the work that God's done to cleanse you once for all time. Oh, okay, I, want to be, I desire to be cleansed. Well, let me mix it with the work God did to cleanse me. Okay, I am cleansed. I'm perfected once for all time. Are you trying to tell me about what I got to do to cleanse myself from sin? That don't make no sense, bro. Discernment. You see? That's why he come to get eternal life in you. Because all of us know real quick, there ain't no lack in eternal life. Well, if you got eternal life, then how can you lack? <laughs> if you need to be cleansed from sin, does eternal life cleanse? Isn't that what it is to be cleansed? The Holy Spirit coming upon you? You're cleansed. Right? The idea that we need to preserve ourselves from the injustices and the corruption and the death that's in the world, it doesn't look like it can feed us with life if we see the justice we long for is contained in the resurrection of Jesus. We all sit with a desire for justice. We've all experienced injustice in this world, all of us. If we don't see, or if we do see the justice we long for, God has actually already given it to us when he raised Jesus out of the grave, never to be able to die again. He made everything right. <laughs> if you see that, the world's declaration to you about what you need to do to find justice and to gain justice and to bring justice about won't make no sense, bro. What do you mean I need to do that to find justice? I see the justice I long for in the resurrected man, Jesus. Not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and slight of men. It's always a person coming to tell you about what you need to do. And you know why they come to tell you? Because they also desire life. And they don't know where it's found. That's the problem. And they come telling you where it's found, giving you a treasure map, sending you out into the world looking for booty, looking for justice. Because you want justice. That's why it's so tempting. You want justice. Well, the only justice there is for anybody in this world is found in what God's done in Jesus to conquer the grave. And when you see that, you won't be tossed to and fro. Right? Does that make sense? Guys, we seek Jesus. I said we seek Jesus. We don't seek authority. We don't seek power. We don't seek justice that the world offers. We don't seek the peace that the world offers. We don't seek those things because none of those things can satisfy. We seek Jesus. And in Jesus is everything we need. Right? And it'll start becoming real clear to you things that can't give you what you want. And you'll be like, whoop. Your heart will be like the Heisman. 
right? Stiff arm. Nah, bro, I'm going to the end zone, don't you know? Right? <laughs> I see you coming at me, but I'm about to stiff arm you right there. Boom. See ya. <laughs> right? I love the Heisman pose. It's like the greatest stiff arm, right? That's like Jesus when death come to him on the cross. No, 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 I'm about to ascend. <laughs> right? That's how your heart will be when you get a hold of this truth and you see where everything is found. Right? Does that make any sense? I know I rambled on and yelled and screamed, but man, go back and listen to this. And if you don't want to go back and listen to it because you're busy, that's okay. Tell God, listen, man, the things that guy said, man, I want you to minister it to me. You, you got your Holy Spirit in me for a reason. So I, I don't have time to listen right now again, but man, minister to me what that guy said today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that you're with us that you're in us, that you've poured out your Holy Spirit into us to guide us into the truth, that you've already given us every good and perfect gift, to guide us into the truth of what you've done in Jesus, to guide us into the truth, that all the nutrients that pertain to life and God-likeness are contained in Jesus, to guide us into the truth, that the peace we want is contained in Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you bring something forth in our heart where we begin to connect with you and we begin to look to you and the word of truth that you begat us with to feel satisfaction. Thank you, Father that you're making everything straight, not just in our hearts, but you're making everything straight in this world, that you've reconciled all things back to yourself, that you'll make the things in this earth straight, that you'll remove the death that got it right to enter the earth, and that you'll bring forth your life. Thank you, Father, that the knowledge of your goodness to serve us with life is covering the earth. Thank you for your love for us. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for letting me preach for so long. I love you guys.